Welcome back to Raven's Recap, where uh, I made sure on the preview episode that we discussed briefly what the ways that the Ravens could mess this game up, and by golly, if that's not what happened, the Ravens fell to the Miami Dolphins on Thursday Night Football, which I'm sure you are aware of by now at this point as we are recording this at our usual time. However, the game was earlier. It was not a fun game to watch by any stretch of the imagination. Certainly wasn't fun rewatching some film. Uh, guys, how are we feeling after this game? We had a football game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that part is debatable, but there was at least a box score. <laughs> That's true, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I feel like I blacked out over the weekend and kind of forgot about it for a little bit and then realized, oh, crap, we have to record on Monday. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, pretty forgettable gosh looking at the highlights on uh, nfl.com which is you know a stretch i think you're like 30 seconds in all of a sudden you're you know 13 minutes into the fourth quarter and all of a sudden then team starts scoring it was you know a snooze fest for the first three quarters and then just the last quarter was just gosh god awful it's almost like the opposite of the the Bengals game right where it's like the first three quarters were fairly competitive and you thought oh yeah they're just going to turn the corner turn the corner and then that end of the third and fourth were just awful man it was just it was like almost the opposite of that game it it was was bad it was hard to watch it was so boring like you know it's late at night on thursday maybe you had a hard work day and you're just watching this game and you're watching punt after punt after punt ineffective drives and you're just like well surely eventually the ravens are gonna like i'm not surprised miami's doing this i'm more surprised the ravens are surely they'll come out of this coma and then <laughs> you just get more and more frustrated by the way they were trying to scheme up their uh I mean, scheming up is almost too much credit to the coaching staff i <laughs> i have some thoughts but like <laughs> you see i'm trying out these plays <laughs> that may or may not have actually been well thought out and they're just not doing anything and it's super frustrating and you just like you just see this battle of punting and field position that is unbearable (laughs) and you know how many times man like and one thing i was like kind of commenting on just watching the game i was surprised to see it it almost felt like a different coaching staff you you'd have the ball at the 40 yard line per se uh or like 38 yard line miami on fourth down and it might be like fourth and five uh fourth i I don't have them all like listed, but they were like fourth and somewhat doable. And the Rams were just like, nah. And they didn't even kick a field goal, which would have been like a 55 yarder. They were just like, no, we're going to just punt it, which wasn't great. Like sometimes the punts weren't good and you end up getting barely any field position change. And it's just like, what happened to the aggressive Ravens? What happened to the we'll trot out Tucker Ravens? It, it felt like they were like hijacked and they weren't there the whole game. Gosh, if we look, Back at, at what we were saying before this game, you know, we, we said that the Ravens' defense, this was an excellent spot for them to get well. The Dolphins' offense, we said, okay, they got Mike Gusecki. He's the one guy who maybe gives you a pause that the defense might have some issues with. They shut him out. had no catches. You know, my bold prediction was that the Ravens would keep the Dolphins' offense out of the end zone, and until the final minute of the game, that was, that was the case. The defense... They came in and did exactly what we thought would happen, but I agree. The offense was very questionable pace throughout the entire game. I don't know if the humidity had something to do with it. I don't know if it was a short week after 
They ran, um, what was it, 90 plays against Minnesota. I think it was, was a franchise record, 90 offensive plays. Right. Both those things could have been a factor, but I mean, still at the end of the day, there's so much more talent on this Ravens team than the Dolphins team. It's like there's all these intangibles that, you know, there was a lot of, of these things that were stacked against the Ravens, but, you know, still something they should have done, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to take away from this game because it's like the defense played great, but they're playing one of the worst offenses in the league. But arguably, a, a team that what didn't doesn't have a starting caliber quarterback, and then the offense, like we said, we saw it really out of sync, and they weren't running things well. They weren't executing, weren't doing the running the plays in the right spots. But but we've seen this offense do great things in so many games this year. It, do we are we just going to chalk this up to? fatigue from the previous game in the short week with the travel I I don't know it's just kind of hard to, to look at this game and say does this tell us anything about the rest of the season in my opinion if you treat it just as one game I don't know if it tells you much but uh yeah I mean when you consider some of the even on the defensive side of the ball right I mean again there was another play or two of miscommunications that led to game-breaking play and I mean, that's just been happening the whole season. So, I mean, that's kind of the same thing of like, even against a team like the Dolphins, where we talked about their offense, you know, they barely have a quarterback <laughs> to put on the field, right? It doesn't really matter. I mean, if you're not making the assignments, if you're not communicating well, you can still let up a big play. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely a concern. On the offense, yeah, it's just, I feel like it's kind of a lot that we already knew about. I mean, you know, offensive line's a little bit shaky. Blocking assignments are a little bit shaky. This game in particular is maybe more of a regression in terms of just, you know, offensive schemes. Maybe it's back closer to, you know, the 2020 Ravens versus, you know, some of the 2021 stuff. But but even then, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that just happen on the field in terms of execution that I kind of look at like, well, you know, that can kind of be explained by a short week. I mean, there's some connects, I think, between games, but overall, it's just, you know, to have a game that bad in all like facets I don't think it's I don't think it's like a complete failure in in planning per se it's more of just like you know there were some things that they need to get better at that they just you know didn't have the time didn't have the rest whatever it was like they were just exacerbated because of the short week fun fact that I looked up today because um when I was thinking about this game I was I it just kind of crossed my mind it was like I couldn't remember the last time the Ravens won on the road on Thursday night football. Fun fact, and again, not giving this as an excuse uh, for the Ravens, but just I think it's another interesting data point for us to not take the outcome of this game too, too seriously. The, apparent, the Ravens, and I, I verified this, Thursday night football, they're undefeated at home in their history, 8-0. On the road, they have one win in five attempts, and that was an overtime game in 2015 at Pittsburgh in which, a game they should have lost, but the Steelers just had terrible clock management at the end of that game. Couldn't, couldn't, uh, it gave the Ravens back the ball when the Ravens didn't even have any timeouts left on defense, and the Ravens were able to, to kick a Justin Tucker kick in to end of regulation, and then in overtime to steal a win there. So again, I mean... <laughs> And, and you've had some good Ravens teams lose on Thursday Night Football to some teams that were not as good as them. Uh, 2006, the first time in Ravens history they were on or, or played a game on Thursday night, 
uh, that year. Ravens started out four and two. Then they were on a five game winning streak or something like that post by. Didn't show up at all against Cincinnati. Lost a snooze fest game to my recollection, and then didn't lose another game the regu- rest of the regular season. So again, not saying you know that there's nothing here to to worry about for the Ravens because there certainly are some things uh, that the Dolphins' defense exposed about this offense that other teams are going to take advantage of if the Ravens don't make adjustments. But at the same time, I think that we do have to take into consideration Thursday night football can be weird. (laughs) Um, And I think that's a little bit of what we ran into last game. I really want to jingle for Peter's history corner. I've been trying to think of one. It's like Peter's history corner. Learn about Raven successes. He has failures in there too. (laughs) Peter's history corner. I mean, I think you just, I think you just had it right there. Just, you know, (laughs) just save that off and just pop it in. (laughs) Uh, Always so much fun to go down memory lane. But uh, I guess to me, man, like I get it's a short week, but Miami had a short week too. So that kind of makes me like a little sad. I guess I didn't have to travel, which is like cool for them. But I mean, I've never personally traveled to Miami, but I looked up how long it takes. It's not that long. They have a charter <laughs> plane. <laughs> like it, I've taken car rides. I've been in the car longer in a day than <laughs> than it took them to fly down there. I don't know. Like it just, I can't really buy it, man. Like like the the travel bit and the, all that. I guess humidity I could get because I'm getting used to the cold, man. Like I'm out here shivering in my boots when I go outside, and now they go down there at 70 nice degrees, you know. And I just think. When I rewatched the film, I got more upset than I was even watching the game. Watching the game, it was just like a comedy of errors. You were just it was surprising that they kept going back and forth. But when you rewatched it and you see the, the, the trends and themes, you almost wonder how there's so many darn coaches in the box and on the sidelines that they didn't figure this out. And it makes me think when Harb said it that at the end of the game it kind of felt to me like a deflection. Like he was like, Oh, you know, it's on me, the coaching staff, blah, blah, blah. After watching, I was like, yeah, dude, it was totally on the coaching staff. You're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just was like, I can't believe the plays that we were trotting out there to try to have success, the sequence of plays. And I guess, like, part of me wants to talk about the defense first because I feel like they're going to give me an afterthought after we go about the offense. And the other part of me wants to talk about the offense first because that was the story. Like, the defense actually played well, in my opinion. Like, yes, they had some horrible, horrible strokes. And we're getting, we came very used to this in Baltimore, getting uh, these stroke plays that just cost them dearly. But if you take those out of the equation, they did nothing. Like the offense for the the Dolphins quarterback it didn't matter. They like really didn't produce anything of substance. They absolutely relied on complete and utter gaffes. Not just like oh that was a good play that there was slightly miscoverage. Like no, they just stopped or didn't cover a guy. <laughs> Like, I mean, they just like the most egregious errors were the only things that allowed that offense to do something. (laughs) And like part of that makes me a little happy, right? Like, I just like we can fix this. Surely they can fix this. Yeah. I mean, uh, thinking back to it, I mean, there is the I mean, gosh, like you're talking like fourth quarter that uh, wide open play. I can't remember who the receiver was on that was a Waddle or Wilson, I believe. 
Wilson. Yeah, it was Wilson. Yeah. yeah the guy we conveniently like, forgot to talk about much. Yeah, Wilson did so much. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, they Dude, don't have I any don't... playmakers who can burn the defense, but. <laughs> I got burned by picking up Wilson in fantasy two years ago. He's just a PPR guy. Like, I, I wasn't, I didn't really think about talking to him, talking about him, but. Um, but yeah, no, I mean you're right. Like he had a number of touches, and I thought uh, like contributed to some of the misdirection, and, and they were able to pick up uh, a few yards even in the first half. I think with him, but yeah, I mean that particular play in the fourth quarter, I think was just like yeah, like you said, Alec, just a complete gaff. I mean it was whether it was on Averett or Stevens, one of those two guys wasn't communicating. Clark was suddenly the only guy left to be able to make a tackle. If there's any consolation, at least I kind of felt good with Clark back there because at least he didn't pull like a Matt Elam and kind of like slip to the turf he actually played fairly well in terms of being the last guy on the defense he had another play like that earlier in the game i think it was on their uh their second tight end i can't remember his name not shaheen but the other one ford maybe 87 yeah. oh they threw a lot of tight ends out there yeah they're like all right you're gonna cover gaseki well we got two other guys who have legs and can catch right yeah the only play that it wasn't like a complete gaff but it was just a mismatch was that one on uh pass to shaheen that got into the red zone where Clark he just like he couldn't get vertical enough to be able to make a play on the ball um you know I just I wish we had somebody else in that situation or you know someone behind him or something who could knock the ball away but I guess that's what you get for playing man-to-man coverage most of the time in Baltimore but I thought at least from the positive side on the defense it was good to finally see the pass rush a little bit again you know the quality of opponent with Miami, like their offensive line had some injuries, wasn't super great, but uh, we did exit the game with two sacks, I believe. Um, four. Was it four? It's four sacks. Yep. Look at the box score of, right now. I'm only Full thinking prediction of the two. locked in. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't even remember the other two. Um, I just remember the uh, Houston and OA sacks in the first half. Yeah, so uh, Patrick Queen had a sack, and so did Josh Bynes as well. I think both of those were kind of like things that were easy to miss as a sack it was at least one of them was on Brissette and like he he was running with the ball but he hadn't uh on a rollout to the left but hadn't quite made the line of scrimmage yet so it looked like it was a, a tackle on a running quarterback um but since he hadn't crossed the line of scrimmage technically it was a sack and then honestly I forget the Patrick Queen one they I mean I don't remember I, I, I let's put it this way I remember the Patrick Queen sack but I can't tell you where when it was during the game yeah, I mean, I, that's the most sacks they've had in a game this season, isn't it? That sounds about right. It was kind of like not enough, though, in my opinion. Like, I said four, but then after I learned more about their offensive line and thought about it more, I felt like it should have been higher. And, like, I don't know, man. Like, I guess at the end of the day, I'm happy that they were so unproductive on offense. And, like, I guess the defense was doing something right there. But it's just, it's just so triggering, dude. Like, you hate to see them lose a game like this and you know it's funny because like the day after i was like lost token methodology i didn't care i was just like you know they have these lost tokens they wasted on a bad opponent but it's okay like they still got some more tokens in the bag and they can pull them out at will and it'll be fine like they'll learn and i i still feel all those things but after just watching it again it felt so in our hands the whole time like it was it was right there to take and I don't think it was to fall on the defense that they never took it. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, the one thing you can fault the defense, and we have talked about this a bit, is just that they couldn't get a turnover. And they had a couple shots at it, but just guys just either swatted the ball down and weren't prepared to catch it or, or there was a drop. 
And that is something that is an issue with this defense and one of the things I think the entire fan base really overlooked with the loss of Marcus Peters on this defense. Marcus Peters was a turnover machine since he's been since he came to Baltimore um, in 2019 and then last year as well. Without Peters, there's really no ball hawk on this defense. <laughs> um, and that's something that the Ravens will have to figure out. Even Marlon Humphrey, who you know, last two seasons, did a great job of doing a lot of stripped fumbles. We haven't seen that yet this year. And he has at least that interception against Burrow. I can't remember if he has any more on the season. But as far as stopping the Dolphins offense, I don't even really put that last touchdown on them because like the offense shouldn't have put them in that position. But turnovers at at some point, they're going to need to find a way to generate them in these games where the offense just isn't getting going because it's really the only thing that can help out in that situation. Yeah, I agree with that. That's one of the things I've been thinking of, too, in terms of, like, scheme, is that I know we play a lot of man. You know, we play in, in such a way that, like, sometimes it may be cover one, or, you know, we might have kind of, like, different areas of the field, but we don't have as many... It seems like we don't have as many, like, overlapping zones or areas where you can kind of have multiple guys to be able to uh, make a play on the ball. It may not be entirely scheme. It also just may be, like, you know, how the offense is attacking... You know, I know, uh, you know, in Ravens teams past, I know people like to complain that Greg Roman always has routes that go into the same zone. You know, not every offensive coordinator does that, right? But yeah, I've always wondered if, if that might be something to kind of uh, figure out a little bit. If is, you know, is there a, a scheme tweak or something, some different packages that we could put out to be able to put our guys in a position to make those plays on critical downs if we know what the offense is going to throw at us? I would love to see that too. I mean, the one uh, thing we should probably bring up though, which you know could have been a game changer, unfortunately wasn't able to, was that fumble that got on the ground that Patrick Queen tried to kind of scoop up. And unfortunately, the offensive lineman just was able to sit on top of it. I don't blame Queen at all for that because at that point in the game, I mean, defense had to step up and could play. And it was just unfortunate he wasn't able to corral it. But like he's made that play before. You know, his rookie season, he had that fumble recovery against the Bengals. So, like, I don't fault him for that whatsoever. I just, you know, unfortunately, it didn't make it that way. But, I mean, I think that was absolutely the right call. I don't know why people are like, oh, you have to drop on it. Like, no, at that point of the game, you score. <laughs> like, there's there's no other way to put it at that point. Like, even if you give it back to the offense at that point, like, they couldn't move at all. So, you know, you pick that thing up, you score it if you can. I rewatched the film to confirm this in real time. <laughs> but the magic of editing, you didn't hear all that. But not only was that the sack for Patrick Queen which is now kind of obvious to all of us, but <laughs> the the way he had like reach out for it, like he really couldn't have just fallen on it. Like none of his momentum was going that way. He had to like, he was like crossing a, his body to try to scoop it. So I kind of like don't hate the fact that he didn't just fall on that play there. But if you go ahead and look at the turnover differential for the Ravens, you're going to cry. They have generated the 29th turnovers on the defensive side with only seven. And in turnover differential, we're just 27th in the league. So we're just not winning the game there. We are at a huge disadvantage when it comes to turnovers. And I would completely blame the defense because they're ranked so poorly. Like, yeah, the offense is turning it over, but at a kind of moderate clip. Their giveaways are just slightly above the middle of the pack. So I would, I think they're about 13th, quick, quick skimming of it. So, you know, it's not really the offense's fault for this differential. And... I think that's a huge thing that's hampering the team. A team that's barely scraped at some of these wins together, if they just had a little bit more of the turnover pendulum in their favor, they'd have been much better off. 
Well, I think you can say, uh, point it out as simply as this. They don't get a turnover against Kansas City. They don't win that game. Correct. <laughs> At some point, you, you know, you've got to figure out a way to, to generate turnovers. And I, I know it's one of the, the more, what's the word I'm looking for, flukier stats out there um, that can really vary from year to year. But, you know, still, the more pressure you put on the quarterback – more guys you have in the right spot on defense, you're going to increase the amount of opportunities you have to put the offense in a precarious situation where they're going to be more adept to turn the ball over out of, you know, just pressure or just, you know, fatigue from what you're doing. So it just comes down to to better execution. And I think that the problem the Ravens are running into here is not just Peters being out, but also just, like we said, we've got a lot of a lot of guys who are who are young and still learning their positions. Um, just going back to what was you know that play that set up the Dolphins' only touchdown of the game, um, the busted coverage there. I, I I'm still not sure exactly whose fault it was there. Who who was supposed to have that guy? But part of me wonders if maybe some of the problem is just is just too much complexity in the defense on the defensive side of the of the ball. Um, you know, you've got all these guys who are having more playing time than they're used to. You guys like Brandon Stevens, uh, Patrick Queen, Matabuke. I mean, always a rookie as well, even though he's done a pretty good job. And, you know, the communication should, uh, is, you know, lacking a bit. Guys might be thinking too much and you you can have those mental lapses out there. And then when, when you're worrying about making the play and being in the right spot, you don't have as much confidence to, to put yourself out there and, risk giving up a big play by going for the turnover not saying that's what's going on it's just a thought that crossed my mind immediately after the game when when we saw that busted coverage I just wonder if if maybe the some of the defensive packages the Ravens are doing are just a little too complex for the the turnover that's happened and if maybe making things a little simpler uh would would benefit this unit a little bit yeah, that's kind of what I was going back to earlier, Peter, with uh, with just trying out the new coverages. I mean, you know, say if you add a little bit more into, you know, cover two or something with, you know, Brand Stevens and Chuck Clark in the back and maybe, maybe some cover four, just some opportunities to kind of have our corners to be able to play back a little bit and kind of see everything in front of them might be pretty good. At least, and kind of have that, you know, kind of across the board and just be able to do that. I mean, you do run the risk of letting some things up underneath, but you know, to be honest, that happens already sometimes, even in man coverage. One of those things I'd like to see a little bit more of a wrinkle in to be able to to help with that. On the flip side, though, I will say, you know, some of that kind of was in this game. I recall that one play, um, I think it was a completed pass on the left sideline, I believe. And uh, Stevens was uh, the free safety. I'd probably play in cover one in that uh, scenario. And you know, he was just a little bit late to the ball and it was a completion, unfortunately. So that's kind of where I look at where, you know, could it help? Maybe. But on the other hand, you know, because he didn't make the play, that was almost like, a, you know, was it he didn't recognize it in time? Did he not have the speed to be able to get over there? There's some other things I get, I guess, to also consider on the execution side of things as well, that it's not just a matter of changing the scheme. You know, even if you change it, the guys have to be able to perform in that too. So, you know, maybe that's something the Wink is kind of seeing here. But yeah, I mean, overall, um, I think it's a great point, though, definitely with the turnover battle. I've I've kind of felt that way over the last couple of weeks. It's just we really haven't 
been able to make it. And it's not for lack of trying, I think, especially on the forced fumbles. I mean, it's super common to see all these gang tackles and guys trying to punch the ball out. But all of our opponents, I guess, know to expect that at this point. So they prepare for it and they do a good job of covering the ball up because honestly, most of those forced, you know, kind of attempts just haven't gone through. Um, you know, that, that OA fumble was kind of just a fluke. <laughs> that wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything <laughs> in particular, I think. Maybe CEH just wasn't expecting it. So I'm not sure what the answer is for that. You know, maybe the guys have to kind of let it come to them a little bit more and take advantage of the opportunities kind of as they come. Or, you know, yeah, maybe Wink can can throw in a few more wrinkles and, and help out here. Or, or maybe it's just a matter of, you know, guys need to communicate better. And if they're in the right positions they will have those opportunities to make plays on those critical, you know, downs. One surprising development over the last couple of games post the bye is the lack of snaps for Jimmy Smith. Yet again, he was almost the least snapped guy. Uh, he was the least snapped on uh, defense other than McKenzie, who was called up at the last moment. He only had 10 snaps, which was less than Westry in his return game of 17 snaps. So they're just not using Jimmy Smith much, which is really interesting given the level of play and the veteran leadership that he could bring. I kind of am scratching my head. I'm wondering what's going on there. The only thing I can think of is maybe his his they're not as confident about his health at this moment. I, that's the only thing that really makes sense. I mean, because obviously he's a vet. He's been around here. He knows the defense. Like, again, we're saying that there's some lack of experience here at some positions, especially, you know, the secondary with, with Stevens and Westry obviously being rookies. So I, that's the only thing I can think of, although... I haven't heard anything about there being any concerns of his his health and level of the play currently, though. I don't believe so. I think the only injury that we've heard out recently was on uh, Tavon. He had a foot injury during the game, and I think Harp said it was probably nothing major that he might be uh, be able to come back next game, right against the Bears. So, but yeah, as far as Jimmy is concerned, I haven't heard anything. Yeah, you know, I mean, speculating, I guess. Given that we don't want him to kind of have a full workload anyway, we only want him to be out there for, I don't know, 15, 20 snaps a game, something like that, right? I think I was kind of the target before uh, his snaps kind of decreased. How valuable do you think, like, would, would he have made a difference, basically, if he were out there 10 to 15 snaps this game? Maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe it's, even on the sideline, man, I mean, I hope to, I'd hope that Jimmy would kind of be a resource for some of the young guys and be like, hey, this is what I saw in those plays while you guys were out there, like coach him up kind of. So I, I don't know. Certainly a mystery on defense as far as some of the personnel decisions. Looking for some clarity next week against the Bears for sure to see how they're going to clean some of these things up against a team that's starting to put things together. But before we talk about the Bears, we got to talk about this offensive performance, which was just as mystifying. A total disaster on third down for both teams. The Ravens slightly worse, only two for 14 on third down, while the Dolphins were three for 13 on third down. So that's why we saw so many punts, an unbelievable amount of punts in a game. Like we were saying, a real snooze for a majority of it. And these third downs, um, it came to a lot of zero blitzes. So the Dolphins are known for this. They're quite good at it. They brought out the zero blitz, and it took the Ravens a very, very, very long time to adjust to it and they struggled they struggled mightily let's just break it down i'll be honest there's a great visual medium for this so i highly recommend we'll have it in the show notes uh kurt warner broke this down and it is awesome he 
draws up what should have been done, what was not done. Uh, he gives accolades when it's valid. You know, he says like, "Oh, that was that was really good design. They're, they had the right idea here, but this is what happened." And I thought it was really a great take. And uh, I was joking to the guys if if the Ravens watch that th- today, they, they're good. <laughs> they, can, they, <laughs> they can learn and be good, and we will succeed and prosper. But if you look at it, there was a lot of things they did wrong. And honestly, the reason I found it so criminal and got so frustrated when rewatching is that on these zero coverages, not only they made it easier for them, which the Ravens have done before in games, like the Ravens defense has benefited from from this. So it's it's fascinating to me that uh, the same team would do it to themselves. Right. So they they had everyone bunched up and running towards the middle of the field. They weren't attacking the perimeter. They were going all toward the middle. And when you have those, you know, man-on-man coverages they're almost not even playing their mans so much as they are the quarterback and where the ball's going so they're just flowing and if you have everybody going in the same direction suddenly (laughs) shocker boys no one's open (laughs) and then you get sacks (laughs) right then you then you have these sacks and it was just so frustrating re-watching the film you know i i i hate myself enough to watch every third down in order and i was just steaming until the near the end where they figured out perhaps (laughs) perhaps <laughs> maybe if we spread everybody out we might have success and sure enough the second they started spreading out all their players and not having these bunch sets where they were like the field is only the size of you know <laughs> you know half the field um they had much more success if they spread the ball out they either converted or it was a part of a drive where they did something with the ball they made progress they went down the field they either scored or they you know throw an interception at the very end of the game like but they were moving they were moving and it's bonkers to me. They didn't figure this out sooner. Like rewatching was so painful because they just kept going to the same well. And um, I will say about halfway through on third down, they started doing like two out of three things, right? But it always messed up one thing. And it was usually like hesitation. It almost felt like um, because they were like hot reads, they were like audible plays that not everybody was on the same page when it happened. And you would not see the right blocks be placed. So the wide receiver was at an inopportune uh, lineup. Or, um, for instance, like there was that pitch run with uh, Freeman. But Freeman, like for whatever reason, like, he has say like a half second and he was too close to Lamar. So when he did the pitch, he could play the defender could play both of them. It wasn't a there was no leverage gained. And then he got ran down and wasn't able to get the first down. But if he had like just went a little bit faster with less hesitation, there should have been enough of a gap that he probably could have outran and got to the corner there. So it was just like these little, little execution details that just crippled them on these third down plays. And honestly, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but the next thing you can do to really torture yourself is look at the second down plays (laughs) and how they set themselves up before I get to the second down. Any comments on third down and the zero, uh, zero blitzes? Yeah, I just wanted to kind of uh, recap that a little bit and just, uh, you know, the takeaway that I got from that and, and also just from watching the game, I feel like it kind of, Kirk did a really good job of kind of like linking those together. Um, was that one, yeah, I think the identifying blocking assignments and being able to block some of those zero blitzes, I think were difficult. There were definitely a handful of times where it just didn't have the right guys in picking the right blocks to to make and you ended up having a free rusher and Lamar would get sacked right so that was one I think another one was you know if we're talking at least blocking the timing of of when the ball is snapped 
right? So to be able to get guys in, you know, our guys in the right position or the Dolphins players in the wrong position to be able to make the blitz and, and kind of overload one side or the other. I think that was also a big one too. And uh, among timing, I thought there was another one, maybe Alec will get to this one in a second, but timing routes as well of like when the ball is thrown and, you know, around what shoulder or something like that. Um, particularly, I thought Lamar struggled with that a lot this game. And, you know, part of me, I guess, is maybe not so surprised because the Ravens offense has been successful in passing deep. They really haven't been as successful passing short. And whereas this game, that was kind of necessary because of what the Dolphins were showing you. He just did not have the time to be able to throw deep among, you know, maybe like two or three plays when all the blocking assignments were well done and then they just couldn't execute the pass. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, timing all across the board. And I guess kind of related to that, maybe we can talk about that in a second, but I just, pacing as well, I think of just some of the plays of, of guys not being able to snap as quickly. It felt like there was a lot, there was uh, not a whole lot of time left on the play clock when some of these plays would get down. And that was kind of exacerbated as well, I think, near the end of the fourth quarter where it just felt like, you know, no timeouts. You know, we got it like, you know, we should have scored with like a minute left, you know, to be able to have another minute to be if we had gotten the onside kick, you know, there were a lot of plays like that. Where it just felt like we were taking a lot of time to be able to do this. And then when we saw the result, it just we weren't executing in the same ways it was like, well, where is that time going? You know? um, Yeah. So just a lot of a lot of just miss executions on the timing and in all aspects, I think it was just very off all game. Yeah, I think the the pace and the and the timing are the two things that stick out the most to me. And Chris, I think he made a, a really good point with um, pointing out that the Ravens, uh, atypical of a Ravens offense, have really spent a lot of time this year utilizing the deep ball and a lot of these play designs that take you know a, a little bit of time to uh, develop. And you know you need some uh, the pocket to give Lamar. Uh, more time than what he was getting against Miami for those plays to develop before Lamar, you know, had to dump off the ball, unfortunately. Like you're saying, you put all that emphasis on that side of the game. That's great. But then when it gets taken away, um, you're you're not as adept at this other side of the ball that you have to play. And I actually take this as a positive that this happened because there's still plenty of time left in the season to go. Uh, the Ravens are still in first place in the AFC North because the Bengals were on by this week and the Browns and Steelers did Browns and Steelers things. <laughs> you look at this and it, it it's it's a clinic. It's it's just like <laughs> it, everyone knows. I, I'm sure the Ravens have heard by now that the whole NFL world thinks that you can beat this Ravens offense easily with the zero cover blitz and. You know what's a great way to 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 beat this? Well, maybe you could uh, practice against a defense that does this quite a bit. Oh wait, they're in the same building as you. That's great, <laughs> and you got all this film on what not to do. All these details that you can point out and say, "Hey, we got to improve this." You know, like you said, it's it's timing. Okay, Ramar, you, you got to snap the ball before Ricard gets gets set, uh, so that you know that the linebacker isn't as close to the line of scrimmage in that case, or. You know, you look at this route design. Okay, this route design didn't work here. Maybe we'll try this next time. I think, you know, you've heard some talk. Whenever something like this happens where where a team with a really big record goes and they lose uh, big to a team with a worse record, 
there's always talk of of an of a offense or a team being exposed. In some cases, that's true, but I think the Ravens. You look at all the offensive talent they've got. Lamar Jackson, his his pocket uh, presence and and pocket passing skills have improved tremendously uh, since he first came to Baltimore. Um, he's underrated in his accuracy, and it's obviously the best playmaker with when he's running with the football at the quarterback position in the NFL. You got a top 20 receiver in Marquise Brown. You got one of the best receiving tight ends in the league in Mark Andrews, uh, possibly the best rookie wide receiver from this class in Rashad Bateman. They have the players to make adjustments here. Greg Roman is has some faults as an offensive coordinator, but he's actually, you know, we haven't really talked much about this, but there's been some new wrinkles to his offense, particularly on the passing game, that have worked pretty well this year. Uh, so I think that, you know, they're, they're obviously, if, if we're harping on it, if everyone else is harping on it, the Ravens know that they need to fix this. And I, I just think they got the guys to do it. And, you know, they've got some time to figure this out. And sometimes sometimes you need a, a smack in the head before you really take it seriously like okay yeah we really need to to fix this thing that we didn't think was that big of a hole in this boat but now we're 15 feet underwater and we got to start got to start going up for air so yeah frustrating game but i i think that the ravens can recover from this and we'll be better for it as a result of it yeah time is a great point uh both peter and chris uh, i love that you brought it up because another thing you'll notice is that when Lamar would step back for some of these, you know, zero blitz things. He just like took an extra second to get the ball out. He should have just been much more decisive with the ball. And he actually, if he'd done that, the blitz wouldn't have been coming at him as, you know, they wouldn't have been as close yet. And he would have been able to just like let the ball out maybe more comfortably. So it was like the hesitation there. Also, just they shouldn't be getting to the line with five seconds to go and like scrambling to get things done. They need to just like call the place faster and get to the line faster. So I think that's a, a coaching thing. Now, when I talked about second down, before we all went on our, our diatribes, <laughs> um, what you'll notice is, unfortunately, the 2021 Baltimore Ravens, we've talked about this for a while now, can't really run the ball with much success or consistency. So what you're seeing is a offense that <laughs> thought, you know, on second and eight, they should run the ball. And what happens is they get stuffed or they get one or two yards, and suddenly you've got third and seven, third and long against a zero coverage where it's hard to actually get the player that far down the field, <laughs> you know, because people always complain. They threw short of the sticks on third down. Well, shoot, dude, they're probably going to do it again because they tried to, you know, <laughs> run the ball. And uh, my my suggestion yet again is maybe not <laughs> like they're just not good enough at running the ball. And it's really causing them to be in a rock and a hard place on third down when you got teams that are good at blitzing like this. And I just like, it made me scratch my head. Like, I I just think it was a huge problem, and it feels like stubbornness that they keep doing this to themselves, and they aren't using the things that we keep talking about. And what what did it take, right? It took them being almost dead to rights to start using hurry up, getting to the line faster, spraying the ball out, the things we talked about at the bye. And, like, it's kind of triggering at this point. Like, I wasn't really triggered during the game as much as I was rewatching it because I was just like, guys, like, the second you did what we've been talking about, this two-game stretch here, things started working. What the heck? How how are we this smart and you're not? <laughs> are you guys hanging out on Raven's Twitter? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? Are they, like, too much in their heads at the castle that they're just, like, not, like, getting outside the box? I don't know what's going on. It's, it's kind of it's making me a little nervous. But 
I, I, I have confidence they'll, they'll figure it out. I know Harb said it as presser today that they got they got some answers. <laughs> like you, you'll regret going zero coverage on us again. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, guys, I like that, <laughs> I like the confidence. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was just it was kind of frustrating, man. Like rewatching the game got me uh, got me going a little bit because I was I was just a little shocked. Like I, I expect more out of the coaching staff, and like I said. You know, when Harb's kind of deflected and said it's on us as the coaches, and I'll take responsibility for that, for not winning this game. After rewatching, I said, yeah, I don't think they put their, t- their players in the best positions and it resulted in the players playing poorly, which we then pointed like, oh, they had bad games. But I think there's a lot of things that could have been done better, and I really hope they're able to clean it up. To kind of clarify that a little bit, kind of wrap it back to what Peter and I were saying. So from the coaching side, so coaching in this case doesn't just mean play calling. Right. I mean, I think what Alec brought up, um, you know, certainly true in the situational play calling of, you know, what do you call on second and long? You know, what play do you want to call? I think we're, we're saying right now, don't call run plays. We can't do run plays on second and long. It's not going to work. 2021 Ravens cannot do it. Right. That makes sense. But um, coaching also in the aspect of like, you know, when we're talking about timing. So it's not just the execution yeah. of the play, but it's just coaching the guys like, OK, this is when we need to have the playoff. This is when you need to be able to run the you know, this is when you want to snap it. This is when you want to throw it. This is how you want to throw it. Um, you know, do you want to take a one step drop, three step drop, five step drop, you know, whatever you want to do to be able to get the ball out on time. I think that was also one of the things I thought for me was like super critical. And it's, you know, maybe I, you know, my personal take is I, maybe I put a little bit more uh, blame on Lamar in terms of execution than maybe some other people because, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, to give you some, you know, context here. So, like, um, Hollywood Brown, I think we'd all agree, didn't really have that much of a game. I mean, he's had a lot of good games this season. This game, not so much. Um, you know, but I think the the stats, at least, you know, are pretty bad. It says that, you know, he had six completions on 13 attempts. And you look at that and you're like, God, man, that's awful. You know, he's dropping all these balls. But I mean, you go back and look at that. And a lot of those were, you know, quick passes. Lamar had to get out really quickly. And, you know, I think some of the problems on that were, you know, either one, an accurate pass. Two, didn't throw it at the right time. So he either took too long to throw it. Um, you know, he put Hollywood in a bad spot that he couldn't be able to get it. Or, you know, just had a bad pass. He had to kind of pick it up off the turf and then ended up dropping it because he has to try and scoop it up off the bottom of the turf, right? You know, so a lot of what the coaches can do can kind of help with like, okay, let's simulate those situations, try and figure out, okay, Lamar, when you have to do it at this time, like we're going to practice this all the time to be able to make sure that you're comfortable that way in game time, you're able to execute on this, even if it's not the most, you know, comfortable thing that you've done in terms of like game experience is that we've been able to practice this during the week so that when we need to do it, everything's okay. You know, you can put an accurate ball out there and everything. So I I do think that's one aspect of coaching where, you know, I think, you know, with the extra week and moving forward, I think we'll have that covered. I do think because of the short week, doing a lot of those things and preparing for a lot of those situations, I think is difficult. And so you have to try and condense all that down into what, two days basically of practice. So whatever the Ravens came up with or their game plan, basically I would assume, you know, maybe in a normal week, they'd have like a, a an A and a B plan, right? So we'll do this first. And if it doesn't work, we'll switch to this other game plan. I assume in a short week, there's probably only like an A plan. There's almost like no B plan because there's no time to coach the B plan. <laughs> <laughs> right but uh you know moving forward I, I i think we'd be okay i do with the the coaching that we're talking about of that those kind of repetitions for plays that you know a team that may not be familiar with i do think a short week 
plays into that because guys just, you know, they're not familiar. They're they're not comfortable in that situation. And I do think that showed on Thursday. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that it's uh, it's funny. We're about we're in a couple of minutes. We're about to record the preview against the Bears. And I do recall uh, that year, 2013, ESPN must have tapped Harbaugh on the, on the shoulder. For, for I, don't, I don't know why they picked him, but um, they did an article where basically Harbaugh filled out uh, a log of everything that happened during the week between the end of the previous week's game through the end of of that game against Chicago. Um, and he just pretty much just wrote down every hour what he was doing, and it was insane. Like the amount of preparation. And, and just you look at how every six-minute period of the week uh, for Harbaugh as a head coach in the NFL, not just from a preparation standpoint, but also like you look in his schedule are, okay, I've got this time set aside to have to have lunch with, with these three players. And then I've got, you know, these two hours on Wednesday night blocked off where that's, that's family time. And then, <laughs> and then I got to go do some more game prep before before getting five hours of sleep or whatever um very interesting article i'll see if i can find it and we can put it in the show notes but i i just can't imagine what that's like to condense that all into three days and and travel at the same time and 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 i I get what alex saying like it's not a long flight to miami by any circumstance but from my understanding, I could be wrong about this. You know, Saturday is, is kind of an, an off day for these guys. So in a short week, you know, that, that gives a couple more hours for the Dolphins, the home team, to, to prepare for the game. And given how much these teams squeeze into that time, that's significant. Significant enough that the Ravens should lose that game? No. But I think, again, it's just still another variable. Again, I go back to just my final takeaway from this game is just that it's just hard. It's just really hard to say what this game means. Is is this something where, you know, the Ravens offense showed some looks that defenses are going to look at that and just be like, oh, we're, we can take advantage of that and the Ravens are going to fail to adjust? I, I don't think so, but I guess that's a possibility. But I think, and I could be wrong, I think we're going to look back on this game as just, as just an outlier for this Ravens season and um, looking ahead at the schedule. While it's not easy per se, it's favorable in my opinion. So hopefully the Ravens can dust us off quickly and get back to work uh, at Soldier Field, a stadium where they apparently haven't won yet uh, in the franchise's history. So that'll be interesting to watch for coming Sunday. Yeah, I guess uh, one last thing I want to say too is, uh, you know, we lost this game. It's a big bummer. And a lot of people are looking ahead at the schedule and being like, it's a hard schedule. I'm so nervous. And uh, I'm not. I'm going to tell you guys, I think I say this every year. Am I looking at the same schedule everyone is? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think it's also partially like how much you weigh those Browns-Steelers uh, games, of which are yeah. four, right? <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, guys, you know, if you see hard stretches of schedule, like, dig in, man. That's awesome. I don't know if you heard. We look for the playoffs every year. Usually good teams are there. <laughs> like, it, it, it kills me that people are nervous about hard stretches of schedules get used to it boys the end game is the super bowl you're gonna have a lot of hard games 
<laughs> no cupcakes and blueberries. All right. No, no, no uh, cupcakes, man. It, it, they're going to be hard. So if you see a bunch of hard games later in the year, like, yeah, I guess it's going to beat them down. And it's going to be tough. Like, how are you going to stack? You have a long game again, and then you have to go and play another game. And you're like, ah, this is enough. It is a lot. But you know what? We want this team to be good. They're going to have to buckle up, <laughs> you know? And I think we have to all buckle up as fans. Do you want to do some uh, silver linings here? Moral Victory uh, Awards? Of course Moral we did. Victory? Course we did Moral Victory Awards. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Even after as, sh- as shitty a game as that, we still got to gotta find somewhere, somewhere in the Ravens community where someone was just like, okay, we can give you a pat on the back, and I'm going to give my Moral Victory Award to an ex-Raven, uh, Mr. Joe Flacco, this week. <laughs> you, you had some relevance again. You, you came out there. You threw a touchdown pass. It's perfect. <laughs> the Jets only lost by seven less points to the Bills, thanks to you. And before that, uh, you maintained you you um, regained your title as the only quarterback in Ravens history to start more than one game against Miami and be undefeated against them. So good for you, <laughs> Flacco. You've got that over Lamar. Be happy. <laughs> that back shoulder fade to Elijah Moore too. Oof, that was good. Oh man, I might win my fantasy game this week as a result of that. <laughs> We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that, I'm going to give mine to a current Raven, Rashad Bateman. Uh, I thought, you know, we didn't even talk about him during the pod because this is mostly uh, doom and gloom. But uh, <laughs> Bateman, I think, was a, a huge bright spot this game. I mean, gosh, man, he has incredible hands. I mean, the uh, the slant pass uh, that Lamar threw, I thought that was uh, pretty outstretched even for Bateman had to really kind of be able to bring that in um it was great and then he had that beautiful catch along the left sideline and kind of brought that in with you know I think with like one hand almost just some incredible catches you were this close this close to getting my bold prediction getting that touchdown at the end of the game uh you know but with Bateman we were able to get in the field position and then I think Andrews was able to score so yeah, just incredible man. Uh, Peter, you said earlier he might might be the best uh, rookie receiver in the league. He's probably not the best. Uh, I think that's Jamar Chase. But uh, Bateman hopefully will be in the top two or three. So definitely one of the best receivers that uh, Baltimore has ever drafted in the first round. So uh, good job, Bateman. I'm gonna I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have to double down again on my bull prediction and for the Bears. I, I think it's coming, man. I don't want to get in a tangent, but I think that's that'll might be an interesting off-season episode we could look at because I, I think that it's it's the, maybe a little closer than than the stats show as far as like intangibles but yeah I definitely are going to be very exciting to see both both Bateman and Chase's careers develop absolutely Chris you know you saw me you knew that was mine you knew I wanted to go the Rashad Bateman <laughs> and that's okay I'm glad that you brought him up because I have somebody else but uh I think just to like highlight on that thank you so much for bringing it up because I saw a tweet that kind of triggered me, and I apologize for kind of lashing back on Twitter, but not really, because I was triggered. And that, like, you know, people are going to forget about Rashad Bateman's performance because of the loss. Let's not. Let's celebrate it. Let's. That's why I went to the Twitter the next day, and I said, let's talk about the things that made you most happy, right? And I, I included DuVernay in that conversation. I thought it was really good to see a couple scheme plays to him and the way that he produced in those plays, and hope, hopefully we see more of it. But actually, I'm going to give my moral victory to the Ravens fan base that traveled down to Miami. I understand you had the opportunity to enjoy some sun and uh, some R&R. I definitely saw you all enjoying yourselves for an extended weekend, and uh, that's cool. But, uh, you know, the, the ability for the Ravens to travel like that will not be uh, you know, forgotten when it comes down to these bigger games on the road at the end of the year here and also in the playoffs. So uh, 
shout out to the, the traveling flock. Uh, Y'all did a good job. With that, we're going to wrap up Ravens Recap. Thank you very much for listening. we got a really exciting show coming up about the Bears, a bounce-back game for the Ravens, hopefully, uh, with friend of the show, Julio. You've been hearing us talk about Dynasty. He's in that Dynasty League, and he's a big Bears fan, here to break it down and tell us all the things we need to know about that opponent. You can follow us, Ravens underscore Recap, where we tweet out various things that we see and polls before the games. And you can email us, feedback at ravensrecap.com when you just have a little bit more to say than a tweet can fit. Appreciate you all. We'll see you later in the week.